Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. going on chumbas it's me and uh, wisdom here yet again hey 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 to uh provide you with some uh commentary from two forlorn dopes though it looks like uh not too many people are on right now but hopefully people will pick up um so let's get started uh on my site front um, I'm working on a couple of uh, small changes. Uh, one is to my ACPA generator. So you're going to have uh, input boxes so you can track your SDB and SP um, live on the site. So that way you can kind of um, figure out what's going on or, or use it kind of real time for those who use it. I know that was a request from a specific user. I don't remember who it was, but most of the things I worked on were, were requests. Uh, another request was to be, uh, to be able to put a, uh, or disable the layering calculations for armor. So that is part of the settings within the Cyberpunk 2070, or Cyberpunk 2020, 2020, um, character generator. So in the settings, you can suppress that if you want. Um, the other thing on the character sheet was uh, I'm pushing, putting in two toggle buttons so you can actually disable uh, wound effects. So I know there's certain cyberware and drugs that allows you to overcome that um, so you don't take any penalties. So I, I kind of implemented that in there. And also uh, I put in the actual uh, body body damage modifier so that way it's visible based upon your current bod so those are a couple things on my site the other thing i'm doing with my site is actually upgrading some of the uh, javascript libraries this is all the technical stuff um which kind of is annoying it's a lot more work than i really wanted to because things changed and now 
it's kind of breaking some of my layout so I gotta go in look at every single page make sure everything's working properly before I put out push out the next release hopefully I'll get that out this weekend so um, yeah that's it from my site you have been rather rather studious I uh I have not been anywhere near as uh, industrious. I uh, had a few setbacks the last couple of weeks. Um, Mom went into the hospital, came out with COPD, and of course, or ever, ever growing host of medical issues. But uh, she's having to stay with us now, so we can try and help her quit smoking because she's on oxygen. Um, and then a couple of nights ago, my storage unit got robbed and they took just a tremendous amount of stuff. They didn't take, they didn't take everything. And luckily there's a long story. If you've got me on, if you've got me on Facebook, you can, you can, I, I posted the majority of the story there. I'll be posting it on my blog soon. Um, but luckily, we got most of it back. However, there's a bunch of stuff that that we didn't weren't able to get back. But what they seemed to steal was my comic books, my uh, like toys, like vintage toys and all that kind of stuff, modern stuff, uh, swords and collectibles like that, and um, video games. And role-playing stuff. And what they didn't steal, they, a lot of it they trashed. Uh, the cyberpunk books appear to have been safe. But some of the peripherals and accessories um, got damaged. And I can't find... I, I, what they left in the storage unit was a giant mess of my stuff. And I they might have taken most of my miniatures not not the box sets but like the loose miniatures i had both uh, both cyberpunk dungeons and dragons and various other fantasy stuff i just realized that tonight talking to you yep uh, about an hour ago will um so that's been my week uh i feel for you man yeah um so I apologize in advance, everybody, if I feel if I sound a little discombobulated and disjointed and out of focus. Um, my mind has been kind of all over the place. Uh, hence, no real. Again, I apologize. There's no real format tonight, guys. Um, we're just gonna kind of kind of roll with the punches. But we are setting up a format. We have a document. We're actually scheduling things out uh, for future episodes. Oh yeah, we got filled for the next year so we should be good going forward um just a little bit of a rocky start this episode yeah it's my fault he was ready i was not <laughs> so uh in other cyberpunk news at least from my end um i just had a, a game yesterday with my group um they were hanging or they were doing a deal in the uh Hacienda, which is the casino in Night City. Um, during that deal, basically, there's multiple factions vying for the package that they were stole from a facility. Um, and shit went down in the pot, 
uh, penthouse. Luckily, none of the characters died. Um, they kept cool heads. They avoided combat. <coughs> Even though there was uh, other people getting shot at and other gunplay happening. Um, the only drawback that happened was, I come to find out, one of the characters decided to use their MA as their dump stat and uh, put a 1 in it. And I think we talked about this last episode. Mm. So... Last night was he was captured, and um, behind the scenes, of course, he's being pumped full of drugs and uh, being told, uh, you know, or not being told, he's telling his captors all about the team. And some of them are a little more paranoid than others, um, but uh, definitely was an interesting, interesting game as they started sorting out. Oh shit, what did we do? Who's after us? What are they going to come out with us? And uh, talking up, talking to all their allies, friends, and families that are within the city to say, watch your six. Nice. Yeah, so. That sounds like good fun right there. It always is. Especially given par paranoia. Um, so, like couple hours after they left the hacienda um and of course after the one character who was captured started leaking information also his phone um mm -hmm. all their phones suddenly uh started ringing in their pockets half of the group uh turned their phones off immediately while the other half kind of left left them ringing or answered and of course you know the uh, big baddies are asking for the package, which, of course, they've already offloaded to another corporation. So, again, some things are uh, some things are afoot there. Um, yeah, so I know we haven't gamed uh, with the Nomad thing because of various situations falling apart on us. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, yeah. It's affected everything. My, my. Mi vida loca. I tell you, real life sometimes one just kicks you in the balls and pretty hard. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so we had a couple ideas of what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, one thing uh, I've been kind of doing a little research on, like what's, what's in the upcoming year. And I know we talked about last session uh, about the Edge Runner anime that's coming out on Netflix. Um, I also did a little more Very research about to see what other cyberpunk stuff is coming out um, this year. And as I keep on going down that rabbit hole, I first thought it was going to be pretty dry for us as cyberpunk fans. But um, as I continue to uh, dig into it, it seems like there's more and more possible, possible stuff coming out. I don't know if it's going to be this year or the next, but... A few things that I've seen is uh, Mad Max, the Want Wasteland, um, which I guess up until last year was still kind of being worked on. Or sorry, this, the studios approved it last year. Um, so if they approved it last year, that means it's going to be in working. So maybe next year, maybe the year after that. It'll come out. Yeah, I mean, 
we can George Miller's been talking about it for a while and wanting to do a prequel to uh, to Fury Road, and he's apparently Liam Helmsworth is attached. I forget who they I forget who they got that was going to be playing a young Furiosa, but uh, yeah, um, anything Mad Max is always always going to be welcome in my eyes. I I, I love that franchise. I love the ripoffs of that franchise, um, especially all those weird, like, uh, Filipino and Spanish ripoffs, Wheels of Fire and Battle Truck and stuff like that. I've never seen the ripoff um, ones. Oh, my God. They, uh, for a brief period, I want to say about between 1980 and 1990, really 1980 and 1985, there were just a ton of of Mad Max ripoffs. Uh, there were some later ones, of course, but I mean that's where we got like Cherry Two Thousand and even weird like space ripoffs of Mad Max. Like, uh, oh, I've talked about it before. Uh, well, like Jared Sin, yeah, uh, the destruction of Jared Sin and Battlestorm and um, Space Hunter. With a, a very very young Molly Ringwald, um, yeah. But uh, I can't remember the guy's name who who directed them. But there were a couple of uh, there were a couple of Filipino European productions, the best of which, in my opinion, was in fact Wheels of Fire. Uh, like it had the best Mad Max vehicles, and that's really what I rate those movies on, is is how cool their vehicles are, and they had the proper muscle, all tricked out and nomaded up, and yeah, you'll see you'll see pictures from it scattered all over my nomad articles on Data Fortress twenty twenty. Yeah. I'm going off on a tangent. Hey man, <laughs> no worries. Uh, other upcoming things, supposedly Tron three. Is getting worked on? Um, no. Or it's in development. Don't don't you tease me with that. I mean, I open up every one of these shows with greetings programs, so you know I love my, myself some Tron. So supposedly Jared Leto is going to be uh, the star of this one, but we will see. Mm. Again and again, you know they're they're all in development. <sighs> what I'm talking about. Supposed development. Yeah, I mean, it could be worse. There's, there's worse <coughs> Jared Leto out there. Uh, other things that are doing a, another reboot is uh, RoboCop. So, now, is it a reboot or is it a sequel to the originals? Because I remember a couple of years ago they were talking about doing a sequel to the originals and getting like Peter Weller in on it. Well, they said it is RoboCop Returns. And again, there's See, that, not that... much on IMDb, at least for the free version. I'm sure there might be some more on if you have the pro version, because they have a little more mm -hmm. news in it. But I'm not going to spend money on <laughs> Hell just no. to find out about one movie. Um, I mean... I, I can't see Peter Weller coming back as RoboCop unless he's just sitting in a in that chair locked in, and I don't know. I, I could figure out a way to make it work, but I couldn't figure out a way to make it work and him be like the action star RoboCop. Yeah, like, Peter Weller is 
Capricious Nature he, says he's not in aging well. Yeah, well, he didn't look too bad a few years ago when he was on Dexter. I mean, he definitely looks very thin. I mean, he he looked okay when he showed up on the final couple of seasons of Sons of Anarchy, but. I saw a picture of him from earlier this year where he was given an interview and Jesus, he's, he, yeah, he's not aging well. The age is catching up to him quickly. Yeah. I've noticed with a lot of those stars, it's like as soon as they get hit by age, it's, it's a quick downhill. Well, I mean with Peter Weller, it's, it's, it's the old, the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And that dude his candle burned so very brightly. He was Buckaroo Banzai. He was the William S. Burroughs stand-in for Naked Lunch, and he was a RoboCop. What yep. more could you ask of a guy? And he, I think he's like, he has like a degree in history. Didn't he have like a series? Oh yeah, of, no, he. Uh, he's of, a smarty uh, pants too. Yeah. Um, other things I found out supposedly. This year, the second season for Ghost in the Shell, um, Standalone Complex 2045, is uh, coming out. Um, I can't believe that got a second season. I just, I can't. Dude. I can't believe that got Ghost... a second season. Cowboy Bebop didn't. Oh my god, that makes me mad. Um, I, I liked it. <laughs> I mean, to me, it, I, it was I better it than the Scarlett Johansson movie. I, you know, I, I I don't know that I can agree with that statement. Because the Scarlett Johansson movie, I don't know, you know me. Yep. I, I have explained many times how I like movies for different reasons than, than what I'm supposed to like them for. And the Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell, well, the movie wasn't that great. Like, the plot and the story wasn't that great. The, the visuals, visuals of the movie were amazing. fucking phenomenal. I agree. Like I, the world they created, um, that was as cyberpunk as it gets, and I, I can I can watch that movie over and over again, I, just I, to catch up on what what's going on in the background. I completely agree, but it did not save it from from Scarlett Joe's uh, acting, in my opinion. She just I. Just, I like her acting. I have no problem with Scarlett I Johansson whatsoever. I think as... she's a lovely young lady, and I think she's a good oh, actress. Sh- like, what is it? Um, Hail Caesar. I loved yeah. her character yeah, in Hail good. Caesar. That was great. Even um, Jojo Rabbit. You know, Dude, I, I'm Jojo not saying Rabbit, she made me. Like, I I I openly wept at at yep. at her fate in Jojo Rabbit. Um, um, I'm not saying I, that she's I a bad actor. I just said there there was that go ahead. that scene that you know that movie she just I don't know I just didn't like how she how she portrayed the major See I come at it from this angle She worked with what she was given and the script for that movie was atrocious They tried to they tried to remake the Mamoru Oshi film which I have a very unpopular opinion of that film as it is. Um, but they, her being monotonous in uh, Scarlett Johansson portraying that character monotonously uh, and really one note, like that falls completely in line with the original anime. 
I mean, that's been my biggest complaint about everything Mamoru Oshii has ever done, is he makes these beautiful freaking animated films, and then their main characters do nothing but stand around and talk monotonously. It's it's infuriating to me. Yeah. Uh, that's why I think Standalone Complex, the original series, and you know, of course, Second Gig were were the best on-screen versions of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. So you uh, didn't like Arise? So, I mean, I did, but it's just, it's such a different feel to Arise. It was kind of like, like a I, I preferred, I, Yeah, I prefer Arise to the Mamoru Oshii films. And, again, I love the Mamoru Oshii films, but I love it more for what's going on in the background. In fact, uh... Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence, it came with a, the version I had came with a second disc where it was just music set to like the backgrounds of Innocence scrolling by. And I, I've watched that more than I've watched the actual movie. Yep. Heck, I used to have that going on in the background when I ran Cyberpunk. So prior to, to us uh, broadcasting, um, we come to find out that uh, Wisdom's favorite character of uh, 2045 is actually the voice of V. Um, yeah. Jeremy uh, Lay. So Here's where you get into why I dislike 2045 so much. That, that, that character is just the worst little Mary Sue bullshit character there ever was. And I just find I mean, I when I read that on IMDb, I was just shocked. Like, wait a minute, she played her? Like, that is... Well, the voice actor definitely has uh, talent <laughs> if she can portray different voices of that magnitude. Um, because vo uh, V was definitely a, a complete opposite of uh, Purin. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which... Kudos to her. I mean, it, it shows some range. You can play one of the coolest video game characters of all time and then turn around and play one of the most obnoxiously annoying anime characters of all time. I mean, star power. There you go. Yep. Um, there was one other thing that supposedly is coming out. But I don't. Um, I thought I had it saved. In one of my tabs, but apparently not. They are. It looks like. Now, granted, this is CDPR we're talking about, but it, it supposedly the uh, PS5 version of 2077 is coming out next month, along with you know uh, a, a fairly large update for 2077 it, itself. Yep. We'll see what's There's that. To look and again, you know, this upcoming patch, you know, if you think about it, <clears throat> um, a lot of there was like probably half a dozen or a dozen of the modders um, were hired by CDPR. So, yeah, straight, straight up recruiting. Maybe they're uh, working and implementing some of the mods they put into the code, which would be nice to see, like fixing all the. Uh, all the stuff that's <laughs> that's broken, specifically around the talent tree, and also uh, improvements to the AIs. Um, I've been sort of dabbling back into the game 
um, with some of the mods. Uh, one of the mods is uh, affects the weather, so you can change, so you can set certain weathers to happen more often, which gives it a much different atmosphere, um, like a yellow haze throughout the city, gives it almost more of an eerie feel to it. Um, so. <clears throat> And I would suggest, and I don't know if I have a list of the mods, but uh, one is like a major big mod that kind of overhauls the whole system. Food is more relevant. Uh, armor, so the armor slots are different. So only like movement affecting uh, enhancements can be put in boots and shoes uh, versus like just putting armadillo all over your body. So, maybe, hopefully, you know, CDPR is going to implement some of that. Um, but speaking of CDPR, so this past December, CDPR actually uh, put on sale Witcher 3, and I decided to buy it and uh, just to see, to, just to do a comparison. Um, Witcher 3 was definitely a more well-polished game, in my opinion, than Cyberpunk uh, was, but um, I enjoyed it. I just finished it after 300, 400 hours of playing it. Um, <laughs> but again, I, I think the story was... The stories were comparable. Um, I think there was a little more nuances in Witcher than Cyberpunk, but I think with Witcher, they already had th two under their belt, and, you know, it was kind of a, a growing experience from there. <laughs> uh, you know, I agree with that. I think, uh, I think Witcher 3 was the, uh, the ultimate bit of polish for, for a franchise they had been working on for quite a while. Uh, I, I think... I think them switching to a different engine for Cyberpunk was probably... I'm not going to say it was a mistake necessarily, but it, it moved them in a completely different direction as far as, you know, the focus of the mechanics. Um, not just going from third person to first person, although that was unfortunate. Um... But also just the way you interacted with the world. There seemed to be there seemed to be more going on with Witcher Three in terms of, you know, how the world just around you kind of interacted with you. Yep. Uh, yeah, and it seemed like I never, the city changed or the world changed as you went through it versus Cyberpunk yeah. twenty twenty, which it only changed to the characters you were talking to and not really affecting outside of that like you know i think i mean as we've spoken many times a lot of the problem with witcher they worked on it at their own pace that nobody rushed them uh they didn't try and set out this giant media blitz ahead of the storm uh with cyberpunk they tried to make it this giant thing before they were ever ready to release the game and then they kind of trapped themselves yeah whereas if they'd stayed more low-key until it was actually time to release the game things probably would have gone a lot smoother for them yeah 
That and if they didn't try to change the entire focus of the game in the third quarter. Well, I think um, the problem was that marketing team got involved. It was like, you know. Uh, yeah, that and they hired, you know, one of the most beloved screen personalities to star in their game. Then they realized, oh, my God, well, we paid all this money for Keanu Reeves. We better rewrite the game to focus on him completely. Well, I also think the the hype from how Witcher evolved and started becoming, you know, or, or promoting CDPR into such a, a powerhouse of a gaming game development company, they figured, you know, our next thing is going to be awesome and it's going to change the world. So let's get marketing behind it and make sure it, you know, gets gets sent out and not be a sleeper hit, you know. Which, to me, yeah. sleeper hits are usually the ones who are more successful than, you know, the ones that are over-broadcast. Um, yeah, the sleeper hits are the ones you talk about. They're the ones you tell your friends about. Uh, if, if you overhype something, anything, no matter how good it is, you can't live up to that hype. You can't... I don't know. I, I... I'm one of those guys that the more you try and hype something up to me, the more my opinion turns negative towards it. It's it's not a cool part about myself, but it's it's just the way I view things. Like if you tell me about this band and don't shut the hell up about them, uh, I'm probably not gonna like it. I'll be dis- I'll be predispos- uh, predisposed to have a negative experience with them because you've gotten to the point where you've already annoyed me. That's why I don't like Star Trek, the damn fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree because I remember there was Batman, the one with um, Jack Nicholson and um, Michael Keaton, when that first yeah. came out and everyone was dressing up like that and they saw that monstrosity that was put on the screen. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but... It wasn't that good either. Like, it was overhyped. I mean, it was better than any Batman that had been on screen beforehand. Yep. But in the end, like, it was just Jack Nicholson being Jack Nicholson. And it was Mr. Mom with a muscle suit on. Yep. And then um, there's only... The other thing that I thought was overhyped was... uh, And it was... I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit of a sadist. Not a sadist. What's the opposite of a sadist? <clears throat> One who likes to see people in pain um, was uh, so. That's the sadist. The sadist likes to see people in pain. The mascus likes mascus. Yeah, that's right. So I then I guess it's a, a little bit of a sadist because uh, when they were uh, when the first episode one was kind of being broadcast and uh, everyone was like, "Ah, oh, Darth Maul, Darth Maul." I go into the to the movie theater. You have like you know quarter of the people all in Darth Maul like makeup and at the end when he dies like a chump and everybody <laughs> and all those people who are like dressed up as him were like <laughs> shoulders down, head down like what the hell how did he die so quick that, is, that, that was the biggest that, that was the longest reigning uh, bit of disappointment among a fan base till uh Daenerys Targaryen turned out to be a villain in the last <laughs> couple of episodes oh. of Game of Thrones. Uh, that like was all a these disappointment. Who named their children Daenerys? 
<laughs> or Khaleesi, yeah. and then they have that. <laughs> yeah, that. Was... See, I'm a sadist because I enjoy that moment. Well, I didn't enjoy it because it was just like, how could the writers think that was a good way of ending this series? Um, it's just uh... capricious. What's funny is, is uh, you know, I don't really hate Michael Keaton. I just didn't care for his portrayal of Batman. I loved his portrayal of the Vulture, and he made some great comedies in the eighties. Johnny Dangerously. Uh, yeah, Johnny Dangerously was fantastic. And, uh, <laughs> this is my gun. It shoots <laughs> it's through schools and the bus behind it and trees. Yeah, that was a a, a sleeper hit of a comedy. Yeah, yeah, that that is like nobody ever remembers Johnny Dangerously. You and, fucking uh, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me stupid, Johnny. My mother called me stupid once. <laughs> yeah. Um other cyberpunk things going out, so there was uh a post from uh, about Combat Zone uh Kickstarter. <clears throat> I think we talked about that uh, before the show was on back in January 12th. And those who actually uh, yeah. bought into the Kickstarter. So supposedly it's going to be another four to five weeks before all the plastics are done. And then after that, it's packaging. Supposedly the yeah. rule book has been completed with all the graphics and being shipped off and signed up or signed off and heading to the printer. So this was two, three weeks ago. So probably another three or four weeks. So I'm figuring like mid March, maybe beginning. Yeah, of apparently April. they got, they got hit. Uh, apparently they're running out of central Virginia and uh, they got hit hard and were out of power for like a week. So that kind of slowed stuff down, but, but they, they got everything up and running again. And, we're all excited to get our products. Yep. And unlike some companies, they're actually doing everything in-house, including the miniatures. <clears throat> Plus, they, uh, they keep us updated. Yep. Well, not, not quite as often as we would like, but I don't think any company in the world does do that. You could, you could update me by the hour, and I'd be all like, well, well what's happened since then? Well, what's going on? You would have made a great uh, project manager for a development team. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take me a day to fix that. Okay, an hour later. Have you fixed it? Uh, I told you is, it's going it to take me a day. No. Nope. I mean, really, it just it, it just all harkens back to, you know, being on the back seat uh, uh, on a long trip. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we, are, are we there yet? When are we going to be there? Yep. And, um... Cyberpunk Uncensored's Kickstarter is uh, making some progress. Uh, looks like uh, they're putting some updates out. Um, again, they're very closed a little sooner than Combat Zone, but uh, my experience with uh, any Kickstarter is don't expect to see anything within <laughs> within a year. Um, yeah, I mean, and the products from Cybernation Uncensored, I mean, they're neat products. Uh, looking at the stuff just kind of makes me sad because 
I had dice trays and dice boxes where the the lids were dice trays. Yep. Uh, that I'd made for my players that these guys just stomped into sh into shards. Yeah, Man, I mean, I they they threw dice all over the place. In the storage uh, unit. Yeah, in the storage unit, they 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 broke tons of stuff, man. It's and you your like unit wasn't the... the only one, right? No, they not only is my unit not the only one that got hit, but like the facility itself, there were other facilities that got hit. It's just I'm the only one they stole cool stuff from. Everybody else, they stole like to tools and shit. Well, hopefully, <laughs> which, I mean, granted. For those guys, that's their that's their livelihood, and yep. it was one of those guys actually who like discovered the thieves in the first place. Like, so I owe him a great deal. But uh, yeah, nah. oh, these guys pissed me off. Sorry, didn't mean to get on that again. <laughs> um, and other cyberpunk news, we had uh, a broadcast from uh, or a update from Artal Sorian. Yeah, big news from Artel Sorian. They're, they're talking about new stuff. Yeah, so first is Tales of the Red, which looks like there's a bunch of um, scenarios from a few Yeah, people. Uh, people have been begging for that kind of thing for a while now. I mean, uh, I'm hoping it's new original stuff. Um, but either way, you know, print product is print product, and extra scenarios for GMs to get their games off the ground. Yep. That's that's always going to be appreciated. Again, the two authors I have gamed with. One is Mike Pondsmith. Um, not sure if he's going to do what he ran at the cons. Um, and I also played in con games with Jay Parker. Um, he had... Actually, I've played in a few of his games. They were interesting. Um, the last one, which I think was last year at Total Con, was basically he ran the game as <clears throat> everyone is playing basically a cyber psycho. Um, That's an interesting concept. And I, f I forgot what the, the title of the game was. It was like Thrill Kill. So it was kind of like a... It's kind of like um, some of the Asian shows that are out there that are like game shows of killing people, like Squid Game. Oh, like Battle Royale. Battle Royale, uh, Alice in Borderlands. Uh, or, yeah. yeah. Right, so just that concept. So we played, all of us played like psychos with like low empathy, low humanity, and the object for us was to get as big of a high body count as we possibly could um hmm. my character was an ex-bozo so uh however i didn't expect to have one of the uh people on the team who was also a friend of jay's um constantly message him on on his phone saying how much he was going or how he was betraying the rest of the party <laughs> And not only did he get the highest body count, because he killed us also with explosions, um, he also racked up a another high body count. So I was kind of disappointed that he would attack one of his groupmates, but I got to give it to him that he got the highest body count. 
Yeah, so Jay's yeah, games, I mean, the two that were in, three are in, were pretty fun. Um, he's pretty good at, at running games. And of course, Mike is... So is... Mike is Mike. Go ahead. Mike is Mike. Is, are Jay Parker and Jay Libby the same person? Yes. I okay. I believe so. That's... Like, one's his pen name and... Okay, I've never understood what's going I've on. I've never asked him that <laughs> directly. Like, are you... Which which do you prefer? Um, so I don't know if he has, like, a professional name versus uh, his real name. And I don't know which is which. But yes. As far as I can tell, it, <laughs> they're the same man. <coughs> Sorry, Jay, if you're yeah. listening. Uh, we're revealing your your altered identity. Uh, so yeah, looks yeah. Like a scenario pack coming out in spring, so that's right around the corner, two or three months, which is great. And then the next thing that's coming out, uh, which is supposed to be in winter, um, they're giving us an update on Black Chrome. Black Chrome that I've been hearing about for the past eight, uh, actually more than eight years, because <laughs> he was talking, been about, talking it, about it for a while. Yeah, when the first. Uh, the first um, Cyberpunk 2077 thing dropped. The recruitment video. So that was back in 2013. Yeah, so, I remember Mike came on to the uh, Cyberpunk, uh, the CDPR uh, forums for Cyberpunk 2077 back when they were a separate part of, like a separate website, uh, and announced... He joined the forums just to announce the uh, uh, the Black Chrome book, and it, at that time it was supposed to like bridge the gap between 2020 and and uh, 2077. I guess everything yep. that was going to go in there got shuffled into red, and they started all over. I don't know. You got the inside track on this guy, so. Yeah, it's capricious. I was, we never done a 2,000 person kill. We got in the hundreds, though, for that game. Um, but yeah, so it looks like they're talking about having new armor sets, vehicles, cyberwares, fashion apps, linear frames, and items to boost your campaign. Which is going to be interesting. Um, I mean, they're talking about it being heavily heavily illustrated which has all my nerve endings going a twitchy twitchy uh and the fact that they're they're they have advertised it as having new weapons new armor sets vehicles cyberware gives me some hope that they're kind of expanding on the rules and allowing for more individualized gear and weapons and catering to my my tech porn tendencies yep and then i can the, i can hope and the next thing that seems to be working on they didn't quite give a date on is uh danger gal dossier um sounds like it's kind of like an edge runner or edge runner incorporated um, yeah that's that's what i'm getting NPCs. from that it's it's book of npcs i think Um, I, I like the idea of a book of NPCs. They've certainly released a lot of them for Red. 
I think having, you know, a stack of NPCs to pull from and throw at your players every now and then, either it's <coughs> dudes that they encounter. Uh, yeah. I don't have, I, I always like that. Hell, I enjoy, I employ and put so many of my players' characters onto my site, onto Data Fortress 2020, uh, in my various source books as NPCs they can encounter. So I have, obviously, I'm a big fan of that idea. Yep. And it makes it easier for the GM. I need an NPC real quick. Um, a well thought out NPC as opposed to, you know, going through a random generator yeah. or just, you know, throwing some arbitrary dice at it. Um, and then the last thing is rogue street weapons, which seems like it's going to be similar to the uh, program deck and that it's going to be a gear deck containing 108 weapons, weapon attachments, and ammo types. Um, this card will contain all the full stats, so... I, you know, I dig the net running deck. I dig the idea of just, oh, you want a gun? Here's a card. Like, all the information is right here. It's, it's there. You can, like, stick it in your character sheet's little baggie. Um, I like props. I, I like being able to hand character stuff with some art on it and be all like, there you go. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and then they also had the hardened mooks as a download that you can get now. Yeah. Uh, once again, is a great resource because now you have some quick, uh, Quick NPCs you can throw at the party. Uh, yeah, some upper tier guys that you know they got to use the big guns on, yeah, or they got to be real smart. Yeah, and then they're going to be doing the interface reds again, a volume two and possibly a volume three for this year, depending upon probably what DLCs they do. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that. I still haven't gotten my copy of. Uh, interface red. I ordered one. It never, never really showed up. I'm not ordering from that company again. I'm not going to talk about them because it's with all that's going on in the world. It might be a very, it, it, it might not be their fault at all. Just, yep. but I still haven't gotten my copy, so I need to. Um, but I like the idea of. It. I like the idea of. The stuff that they've been released for free, they're giving out as these, you know, bound physical copies of stuff. That that makes me happy. Yep. <clears throat> um, yeah. And they're putting effort in it, right? The, the art looks great, uh, even for these downloads. Um, I know yeah, they're I'm... not just printing them off and sending them to us, like, straight, like, from the screen. They're, they're like you said, they're putting effort into it. They're, they're giving us a nice product. Yeah. Whereas my site, I'm very lean and mean on the uh, styling of my site. <laughs> Whereas my site, I, I may like go overboard with that just a tad. Just, just a little bit. There may be too much going on on this. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I saw in one of the discords, <clears throat> um, a person was asking about one of the images you got uh, from your site. I told them you should really <laughs> bug you directly. Um, to find out oh, by all means, source. bug me all the time about that shit. I love talking about it. 
Any any idea what image it was? I'll answer that question right now. Uh, again, it was a couple of weeks ago, but someone replied and gave him an answer of where the source was. I think it might have been uh, from either concept art for a computer game. Basically, it was like a, a squad of soldiers or mercenaries hmm. <coughs> in military fatigues. Man, I wish I'd seen that. Well, I think the other problem is they didn't know you were in on Discord. Is always another problem, and no one always thinks to at somebody. Because um, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, as a lurker, I've uh, seen like people comment about me, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm here." I'm like, oh. There was a there's a guy on Reddit who's uh, putting together a database of. Uh, locations for cyberpunk games that um, don't necessarily aren't necessarily tied to any IP like he reached out to me about some of the locations I, I put out there for Autumn Blade I, I would assume he's talking mostly about like at the Nakajimo Plaza and all the stores involved in there um, but yeah he reached out to me on Reddit and uh, I feel bad because it took me forever to get a hold of him I've had a rough couple of weeks um but yeah i'm always happy to talk to anybody about my site about anything uh i may not get you immediately i've got a pretty over overzealous spam filter um but i will almost always get back to you yep um <clears throat> There's also one thing that um, came up from, at least from me, was uh, my wife suggested I read this one book called Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World. <clears throat> Supposedly it's a cyberpunk book written by uh, Haruki Marakami. Um, mm. And she said it is very cyberpunkish. She thinks it should have been an anime or a manga, and she's not a big anime or manga fan. So, um, I need to uh, check it out. Um, basically, the the story behind it is uh, there are people who can store data in their heads, um, and they're not kind of like um, what what's the thing? Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, kind of like Johnny Mnemonic, in which they don't know what the data is, and they'll just spit it out and not remember it. Um, yeah, so I need to check that out. But if What's the name of that again? Uh, the name of it is Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World. All right, that is on the list. That sounds pretty cool to me. Haruki Murakami. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there we go. Yeah, so I'll just give you a quick uh, the little thing that they give. Across two parallel narratives, Maruki Mara, Marakami, sorry, Murakami. Murakami. I always, I've taken several years of Japanese and forgotten most of it. Um, draws readers into a mind-bending universe in which Lauren Bacall, Bob Dylan, a split-brain data processor, 
a deranged scientist is shockingly un undemurred the granddaughter and various thugs, librarians, and subterranean monsters collide to a dazzling effect. What emerges in a no in a novel that is at once hilariously funny and deeply serious meditation on the nature and use of the mind. Um, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. It sounds vaguely reminiscent of uh, Ready Player One. Um, and I'm, I, I say that in a good way. I actually enjoyed the, the book Ready Player One. I, I thought it was grand fun. Uh, the movie was pretty disappointing, but it was still, it was still neat to see the Akira bike on screen. I'll say that. And some of the, it was neat to point out references, but that's really all the movie was is one reference after another. Pretty much. Uh, a lot of geek culture references. Yeah. And it was wrapped in a, in cyber, in a cyberpunk setting. I like it was a, it's a legitimate cyberpunk movie. It's just not a very good one. Yep. Everyone's connected to the net. Basically doing brain dance in the alternate world. Yeah, so um, I don't know. What other topics do you feel like uh, discussing? Um, I don't know. Let's talk about something happy. Let's talk about... Kittens. <laughs> kittens. Um, we we love kittens. Um, man, you can't put me on the spot like this. My brain is just not working. Just... Oh yeah. Well, um, the other thing, if anybody has been checking out um, the book of Boba Fett, they did a kind of cyberpunk episode in which they had a, a gang of cyberpunkers with cybernetics. Looking very eighties, <laughs> driving Vespa hover bikes, but still, they're pretty cool. Like I, I would watch a series about those guys. Um, I, I, I'm very loath to ever say you know this part of Star Wars is cyberpunk, but you know, it definitely had some cyberpunk trappings. They're definitely some cyberpunk-ish characters. Yep. So uh, that was, and I, you know, I, I'm enjoying Book of Boba Fett. It's uh, it's more than I expected from it. It's hard to follow the Mandalorian as an act because it's Mandalorian is just so fucking perfect. Um. But, I mean, Boba Fett does its own thing. People complain that he's not the hardcore badass that everybody thought he was. But, I mean, all he did in, in Empire was stand there. And all he did in Jedi was get his ass kicked by a blind dude and then fall into a space butthole. Comically get his ass kicked by a blind dude. Hmm? Comically got his ass kicked by a blind dude. Yeah, just comically. Like, the blind dude wasn't even trying. He's the... just like Boba Fett. Where? Damn space butthole. Yeah, there was parts in of Star Wars. Where it's like, oh yeah, this guy's the most deadliest bounty hunter in the universe. The universe. I mean, we were all like twelve when we saw it, and we just 
we just tied that in because he looked so very cool and there was such mystery surrounding the character. We built him up in our heads to be this thing that like the movies didn't necessarily support. And then like all the extended universe stuff tried to make him out to be all this, this super cool guy. And that's cool. Like he's still a super cool guy. He's just in, in the, in the Mandalorian in, in the new Disney Star Wars continuity, which I'm perfectly okay with, um, he's a much more human character, much more fallible. The only problem I have is that if he was this bounty hunter that survived all this stuff, it's kind of weird to me that like basic hand-to-hand fighting eluded him. That's that's my one and only complaint. Yeah, that I didn't understand either. How he was like, you know. <laughs> the, the he was getting beat up by you know the trainees of the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah. <clears throat> um. I, I was sad to see the Tuscan Raiders. Well, I'm not. We're not going to talk about any of that. So I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody. Um. Another pleasant surprise is it has been Peacemaker. Uh, yep. I don't know if anybody saw the uh, Suicide Squad movie, but John Cena returns as the character Peacemaker in a direct sequel to the Suicide Squad movie. Um, and I'm not going to say it's very cyberpunk. It's 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 not. Uh, and they do some of the characters dirty, like Vigilante is is not really accurate to what was what appeared in the in the comics. The same with Judo Master. But Jesus Christ, Peacemaker is the funniest thing I've watched in a long time. Yes. Especially from a, a comic point of view. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the best thing Disney, it's the, or it's the best thing DC has done. Um, Peacemaker and Suicide Squad are the best things DC has done as far as them trying to create a franchise based around the DC universe like Jesus the Justice League movies were fucking awful but if they'd had James Gunn to do them they probably would have been pretty darn good he uh he understands the characters he understands the concepts and he understands the heart and soul of what you know fans are looking for in this in these kind of goofy offshoot characters I don't know if he can do serious because I've never seen him really try. Uh, so I don't know that he could really do Batman or Superman. But he can definitely do the weird offshoot characters. He could do a Justice League based off the Kevin Maguire and J.M. DeMatteis run, uh, the Justice League International, um, which is the best iteration of Justice League there ever was. Kevin Maguire's art alone made that so. But uh, yeah, funny Justice League was best Justice League. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of... And that's, I think, some of the things that I think the, the movie t- are starting to get into, like how Deadpool worked, right? Because the people yeah. who were... Reading comics as kids are now adults and now get adult humor. Um, and that comics are no longer just for kids. Um, 
I mean, it, it seems like the problem has either been they're trying to make the movies for kids with characters that aren't for kids, or they're trying to make movies for adults on the DC side anyway, with characters who are for kids. Um, Superman. You should never make a Superman movie that children can't watch. Yep. I mean, it's it, it's fine if you're doing some Elseworlds type thing, but in your main... In, if you're trying to set up the DC universe as a, as a film franchise, DC needs to be ex- accessible and enjoyable by like small children as well as adults. He needs to be set up for everybody. That's what Richard Donner got perfect about him. He may have had some weird stuff going on in in Superman Returns, but they're not Superman Returns. Uh, Superman Two. But he understood the character, the concept of the character, and what made the character great. Yep. Um, so you can't, like, not every Batman movie needs to be this super serious, like, how can we make Batman more realistic? Well, you can't. Because when you do, you lose... Batman's super fucking rich. He's a guy who dry, who flies around in a bat plane and, like, has super supercomputers and all sorts of stuff. The more grittier you make that, or the more gritty you make that, the you're kind of taking away part of what makes Batman Batman. Like yeah. it's cool that Batman is a super martial artist, but when you're taking that away from him too and just making him like, oh, okay, well he keeps getting injured and now he's got like back problems and arthritis, and I'm all like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to watch a movie of Batman with arthritis. Well, I think I don't was... need that much realism in Batman. When Frank Miller kind of did Batman, you know, and tried to get it a little more grittier, because I think Frank Miller in the combat scene was starting, he kind of like shifted comics themes and stories into a darker realm. Um, well, I mean, it, it was a cross between Frank Miller and Alan Moore with Watchmen. I mean, Frank Miller, his his work with Batman in the er, his early work with Batman, like Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One, were fantastic, and they did inject reality into Batman. Like Batman got injured. He uh, like with Dark Knight Returns, it was an old retired Batman who was coming out of it, and he had to deal with a lifetime worth of injuries, but he still had the crazy bat planes and the bat tanks and all that kind of stuff those giant bat cave with the supercomputers and um yeah you just it, when you take that away you you lose part of the bat or when you make it too realistic you you lose part of what makes batman batman i mean with christopher nolan's movies uh the christian bale batmans he went from batman year 1 in uh, in the first movie to like Batman really Batman return or Batman the Dark Knight Rises or the Dark Knight Returns in the third movie and that's like a space of five years that he's goes from like super vigilante crime fighter dude to broken destroyed guy in, in the space of like five years yeah. which is just it's too much realism in a movie with such ridiculous concepts as it, in the first place. Yep. And just getting into like Frank Miller, speaking of Frank Miller, he actually did a series called Ronin um, back in yep. the 80s. 
and that was a very cyberpunk uh, series. So it was Ronin was fantastic. Um, it always freaks me out when people recommend Samurai Jack to me, and I'm all like, you know, they stole that whole premise, the whole <laughs> plot and premise from Ronin. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, for those who don't know, it was kind of uh, a story about a... It was kind of like a parallel story between a samurai from, you know, feudal Japan and a guy who's living in, you know, dystopian future of New York who... I can't remember the full plot, but basically he was he was an invalid, the kid. Um, and he just read about this uh, one samurai... <clears throat> and eventually he was worked or got part of a corporation that kind of was helping him become better in a sense and eventually like nanotechnology turned him into that samurai which then he decided to go through New York City and you know become a vigilante or do the honorable thing like a a lone wolf samurai was so but yeah I haven't read that in a while, but just hearing Frank Miller's name, I was like, oh, yeah, he did a cyberpunk uh, comic series way back in the day. It was it was just Frank Miller's birthday the other day. Um, so happy birthday, Frank. Happy birthday. He, Frank. Uh, Frank Miller was one of my first favorite writers in comics, and uh, more so for his Daredevil stuff than anything else. Yep. Um, I actually was a fan of his prior to Daredevil. There was a, a DC um, series called Warlord, which kind of was like this. Uh, yeah, I science fantasy. Well. Yeah, so I was a big fan of that comic book, and um, in the early days, Frank wrote for that. Um, that's that's where I first got exposed to Mike Grell's art who then went on to uh, do yeah. uh, for DC he went on to do uh, Green Arrow Longbow Hunters which did for Green Arrow what you know Frank Miller's uh, year one did for Batman uh, and of course then Mike Grell went on to do uh, I think I just got confused you're right it was Grell who did Warlord not Frank Miller yeah but both of them were great um, artists. I mean, I think Terry Miller did like a like an episode or two of yeah of Green Arrow or of uh, Warlord. Uh, but Mike Grell's uh, John Sable Freelance was I was a huge fan of that. Yeah, I remember that series. I've, one of my friends was a big fan of it and kind of got me into it. So. Yeah. Um, that was a. That came out about the same time as that Shatter comic, which was pure cyberpunk. And it was like one of the very first comics that uh, were ever created digitally. Like the art was all created digitally. Hmm. Um, at the time, the DC even like ventured into that they had a uh, a a batman digital comic called uh digital justice and it was done by uh pepe moreno who uh who was really he did a lot of like cyberpunk and post-apocalypse 
comics in the 80s. Uh, he's like a European artist and writer who he worked with um, the Heavy Metal Magazine group, which was its own thing. Um, but he put out books like Generation Zero and Rebel and just really fantastic stuff. I, I am I am so far down the down the rabbit hole of ranting right now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where we began. Yeah. Um, Iron Man. They did an Iron Man digital book. I don't remember off the top of my head who did that. If that was Pepper Moreno two or not, but uh, yeah, I want to say that was like eighty nine. Well, it says Shattered was between eighty five and eighty eight. It was by First Comics. It, I've never heard it of it. It probably was uh, First Comics, uh, which then got sold, like all the first stuff got sold to Eclipse at some point, which then folded into Dark Horse. Um, no, First stayed its own thing, but they did both get folded in to Dark Horse Comics around like 92, 93. Um, I, I truly loved, uh, those companies books. Um, first is where I got my first taste of uh, lone wolf and cub. And then eclipse, of course, the, in their studio Proteus line, that's who brought over books like Appleseed and, uh, all the original manga that first started coming over to the States. Um, Studio Proteus through uh, Eclipse and then uh, Viz uh, as their own company were, was putting out books like Fist of the North Star and no, Eclipse was putting out Fist of the North Star. Viz was putting out books like uh, Urase Yatsura and Ron One Half and stuff like that. I, I get so confused. I'm old and feeble and there are cold and there are wolves here. So Yeah, I've been as you speak, and I, I like looked up uh, Sable, and they actually did a TV series back in 1987. They did. It didn't resemble the comics at all. It was really, really weird, um, and it didn't last very long. Like it was already over. Like I got to watch one episode of it after I finally heard about it before they canceled it. Um, Rene Russo was in it. Yeah, a, a very young, like about the time she did. I don't remember if it was before, or after she did Lethal Weapon three. It was it was it right around after. there. So like, like a like a still really young Rene Russo. Um, there was a. It was her TV debut. That's interesting. It, it had a like, I, I, my memories of it are vague, but I remember being really confused as to why he was flying around in like a custom aircraft. Now I could be confusing that with a different show, but I want to say it was about the same time that uh, Mantis was on, which was another show that I really, I really loved Mantis, and that only lasted like two or three episodes. 
Yeah. Uh, what else can we talk about? I don't want to get too bored and start beating a dead cat, you know? <laughs> or at least beating a live cat. I think I have one or two around somewhere walking around in my house. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, they, that's that's what they do is they walk around and stalk and, and try to figure out exactly what kind of trouble they can cause. Yeah. I think this uh, show is towards the end because we're starting to ramble about very random stuff. Just, just, just comics in general at this point. I keep trying to veer it back into cyberpunk, but really... There's not a whole lot we can say about shows like Mantis. I mean, it was pretty cyberpunk, dude in an armored suit, all that, and jacked into his spine so he could walk again. Uh, used it to fight crime. Yeah. Do you have any other but, recommendations to uh, any cyberpunk old movies that you think we old movies for cyberpunk? <clears throat> I was I was talking about. Somebody asked me in in one of the Discord channels on. Uh, Cyberpunk Uncensored, they, they messaged me directly and asked me uh, why Nemesis was my favorite movie, and I had to explain that it's it's not that it's my favorite movie. Blade Runner is my favorite cyberpunk movie. But Nemesis is the one that I have the most fun watching, because it's the one that feels most like a cyberpunk game. Like playing cyberpunk 2020 in the early days. Yeah. Like that's, it, it just from start to finish, it has that vibe. Um... And it's just great fun. It's it's an action. It's a mindless action film with cyberpunk trappings. Um, so yeah, it's it's the one I rewatch the most. Uh, but there's also movies like Cherry Two Thousand. We I, I spoke with uh, another dude about that. Um, I'm a huge fan of Circuitry Man. Like I think that movie is so freaking underrated in the cyberpunk genre. Is it a great movie? No, but it's a great cyberpunk movie. Villains of the dude who's got interface plugs all over his head. It's Vernon Wells, who you know, Wes from uh, Matt, uh, Road Warrior, and uh, the villain from Commando. I, I don't think I've his name in ever seen Circuitry Man. Oh, you should definitely see Circuitry Man. Just see if I can find it on one of the streaming services. Um, I'm not aware of it on any of the streaming services. You may be able yeah. to purchase it streaming from Hulu. Uh, I'm not sure, but I've, I haven't found it. And it really surprises me that it's not on, like, Tubi or something like that, which just has just ridiculous amounts of, of movies. Sure, you got to watch ads, but I, I can deal with an ad to watch, you know, old stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't be su surprised if it's, like, on, like, YouTube... A lot of old movies. Maybe I like uh, Fortress while. with uh, Christopher Lambert. Yeah, it'd probably be on YouTube, by the way. you probably find at least clips of it. Uh, the Fortress films with Christopher Lambert, those were good, fun cyberpunk stuff. Yeah. Um, Would you consider Cube uh, cyberpunk? Cube itself... No, but Cube Zero is ridiculously cyberpunk. I don't know why I make that distinction, but uh, 
the the other Cube movies just seem like weird horror movies, but Cube Zero it definitely it definitely skews into that. It lets you see more of what's going on behind the scenes, so you can see how things are working, which right. to me makes it more cyberpunk. Uh, I love Cube Zero. It was kind of um, reminiscent of uh, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very reminiscent of Cabin in the Woods. In fact, well, really the other way around. When I was watching Cabin in the Woods, all I could think of was Cube Zero. Or the Cube franchise as a whole. Um, Free Jack. Nobody ever talks about Free Jack anymore. Um, oh my god. But that was a... It, it was that was a pretty fun cyberpunk movie. It was, but Mick Jagger should never wear a helmet. I mean, Mick Jagger should never be behind the camera at all. Like, I mean, the Rolling Stones were great and all, but Mick Jagger just—he's like a talking suitcase. Like that dude. Hmm. And I mean, the yeah. cast for that movie was pretty pretty good. I mean, you had Emilio Estevez. At the time, was that was one of his last roles too? Yeah, and he was kind like of last starring. And then there was uh, Anthony Hopkins, um, yeah, Mick Jagger, Rene Russo. So it was a it was a damn good movie. Um, I mean, it was goofy in the way that only early '90s movies could be, but it was it was more than enjoyable. Yep. Did you see uh, uh, Upgrade? I loved Upgrade. Upgrade has it. one of the coolest like death kill em scenes I've in, in movie in in movies period. When he uh makes the dude bite down on his neck and like knees him from behind. yeah, it turns the dude into a human Pez dispenser. Alright. I gotta watch it. Uh I, I highly recommend Upgrade. Um Yeah. One of the movies I enjoyed recently, which kind of was, um, you might, some people might not enjoy it, but uh, Hardcore Harry, I thought was very cyberpunkish. Um, yeah, I, it was it was very cyberpunkish, but it's the same problem with playing a first person game. There's only so long I can look at that before I get a headache. Yeah, it. I liked the plot of it. What what little there was. Um, it was a fun movie to watch, but at the same time, it it's. Take some ibuprofen with you. Or, or uh, what is it called? Uh, what's the D for the motion sickness? Dramamine? Oh, um. What'd you say? Dramamine? Yeah, Dramamine. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, that was. And to me, some of those shots uh, were just crazy. Um, like when he was throwing a grenade in a van and he got blown out of it and then he was like in a chair shooting at people. Um, yeah, if you can, uh, if you can, if you can handle the first person perspective, it's a, it's a great fun movie. Like you will have a good time watching if you can handle the first person perspective. Yep. I know some people can't. Um, I remember I was showing my brother the latest version of, um, Quake. He was sitting next to me, and then all of a sudden he says, he just got up and left immediately. And I started hearing him puking in the bathroom. I'm like, what the hell's happened? He's like, dude, I, I just... I believe that. <laughs> I saw that, that action, and I just suddenly felt really sick. I was like, wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm always going to say Nemesis Cat. Yes. Um, if you're a cyberpunk game fan, you, you got to enjoy Nemesis. Um, yeah, you just have to. It's it's the closest you're ever going to find to Cyberpunk 2020 on the screen. It just is. Yeah, and the quality of acting is the same quality as your players. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not that hard fetched to, uh, you know, be a little more immersive into it. So. Um, I mean, there's a lot of anime I could recommend. Uh, Angel Cop. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm always going to recommend like the standards, Bubblegum Crisis, Akira, things like that. But some of the lesser known, lesser known anime out there that falls into the genre, Angel Cop, um, City Hunter. Uh, it's more of a cop thing, but it it it, it crosses over sometimes. And was there? A, uh, I, I forget the name of it. Is it Goku? Midnight Hunter Goku. That's definitely yeah. some good stuff right there. Uh, Cyber City Odeo 88. Uh, that you're never going to be... You're never going to be disappointed watching that if you're a fan of Cyberpunk. AD Police. Uh, Psycho Squad. I think it's Psycho Squad. Psycho, Psycho Squad. Squad. Kite. Um, Area Zero. I mean, there's always good stuff out there to find and watch. Yeah, Kite is... When I first watched it, <laughs> kind of. Kite is about the only anime in the world that I'll say you're better off watching the edited, censored version. Um, yes, it's a little. It's it, it it's got some of the some of the best action scenes I've ever seen in anime. Like it ranks up yeah. there with the uh, with the Borg fighting the soldiers in. Black, in Black Magic M sixty six, but yeah, you can't. I I, I cannot. It, it's got some really, it's got some parts that'll make you really squick out. Like yeah, it's. I cannot condone. Some it, of the it, it, it's borderline. I'm not. It's not even borderline hentai. It's it's straight hentai, and it's really like unpleasant in its hentai. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, watch watch the censored version. You'll you'll you won't feel like you have to like scrub your mind with bleach afterwards. <clears throat> I think they uh, did a live action, like uh, a Western. They did. Scene. It had uh, Samuel L. Jackson in it. Yep. Minus it's... some of the the. Yeah, they, it doesn't. The, Japanese the live mentality. action doesn't have the script version. Uh, they did a sequel um, to Kite, and I don't remember it having as much of the squick either. Yeah. Uh, well, and they did, like, the same guy did another series called Mezzo Forte, which is also very cyberpunk, and I don't recall it being as squicky either. Um, yeah. I'm... And, of course, the same director also did the, the second film, in the Megazone 23 series, which it itself is, is fairly cyberpunk and badass. We're not recommending the hentai. We're recommending the edited version we, of the We hentai. are recommending to avoid the hentai. That's, we went through it and found it quite disturbing, and no one really needs to go through it from us elders telling you you should not go through it. 
because it is not. Yeah, I don't. I don't squick easily, but it 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 squicks me. It's um, it definitely is not something that adds to the story. No, in fact, it kind of it, it for me it detracts from it. Like there's just yeah. only there's only so much sexual brutality I can I can take, and I mean I can watch. Kite squicked me out more than watching uh, Clockwork Orange, if that tells you anything. And to me, Clockwork Orange is even tamed to some of today's standards. Yeah. Um, back in the day, yeah, it was it was uh, pretty intense. My mom told me a story about how my father went to go see it, and when he came back, he, he told my mom, "You're never going to go see that movie ever." Yeah, I've got a I've got a similar story about it with my parents. So, um, but again, at that day and age, it was definitely uh, <clears throat> um, something that was very new and. Uh, interesting it, it definitely pushed lines uh, uh, pushed the borders of what was what was acceptable um, oh you can find wheels of fire on uh, on Tubi it's not necessarily a cyberpunk but it, it, it's tangentially related it's, it's like I said it's a Mad Max ripoff always good stuff um, um oh what was the one about the cyber bed Rosian Rosian 2 about the what the cyber bed cyber bed Rujin Z yes that's 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 a very underrated cyberpunk anime that like it's not your typical stuff like it's not it's not an action film it's it's a about a bed that like gains <laughs> it, it, like like a hospital bed that gains its own sentience and kind of goes on a weird rampage with the uh, uh, invalid strapped down to it. It's it's good fun to watch it. I, I highly recommend Rujin Z. Um, Black Magic M sixty six was definitely something that you could take and convert into a. A cyberpunk game pretty darn easily. I mean, Black Magic M sixty six is basically the anime version of Terminator. It has literally almost nothing to do with the manga Black Magic by Masamune Shiro, um, other than like the same robot gets kind of shown in Black Magic uh, in the manga. Like thematically, they're nothing alike. Thematically, Black Magic is a supernatural based manga black magic the uh anime is is pure cyberpunk some some renegade robot android things go on a rampage and the very first fight scene you see is one of the finest animated fight scenes in history like and then there's a scene they have this weird electromagnet they use to keep the robot at bay Yep. Uh, and there's a scene where the protagonist is in an elevator uh, with the robot trying to get to her. And she keeps using this 
magnet to push it back. And it, the premise sounds kind of wonky, but it is one of the finest animated scenes I've ever seen. I, I watch a ton of animated content, and it is just, it is mind-blowing how far ahead of of the scale that that one scene is. I, if you haven't seen Black Magic M sixty six, run, don't walk, to whatever you can find that'll play it. Uh, I think it's probably on YouTube. Um, buy it on DVD if you still have physical media. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Yep. Then you have uh, Armitage, which was a pretty good series. Um, let's yeah, talk about Armitage Grammarly. is like an animated... It's like an animated version of, of Blade Runner meets Total... Well, not meets Total Recall, but Blade Runner... And basically, it's just an animated version of Blade Runner meets any standard 80s action film. But it's done in a really well-done way. The uh, the main protagonist, Armitage herself, is... You'll fall in love with her. Um, I know I did. Uh, there's two films in the series, and they're both just phenomenally good. If you, if you liked Battle Angel Alita, either the anime or the live-action film, or just... Just the manga itself. You'll like Armitage. And of course you have the Dirty Pair. I, I'm torn on the Dirty Pair. Um, the The anime is, is, is very good. And it's got cyberpunk elements. Um, the original novels were more pure science fiction-y. Uh, and the anime it just has cyberpunk elements. It's 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 straight up like far future science fiction. Um, but there was an American manga done by Adam Ward, and it was the first like it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the first example of Americans trying to do the manga style. I, I want to say that honor goes to uh, Ben Dunn and Ninja High School. I could be wrong. There could have been something before that. But that was the first one that attained any real popularity. But um, Adam Warren's Dirty Pair is the first one that really spoke to me uh, as far as like this is the only it, it is, in fact, the only American uh, American thing done in manga style that I actually consider to be manga. Yep. Um, it's it's gorgeous. And he did, like, he only ever did miniseries of it, but he did, like, six of them. Um, some very, very short, like an issue or two. Uh, and some, you know, four, five, six issues long. Uh, the the detail he put into his art, uh, it, it's, it's up there. It's, it's up there. He was, in fact, one of the few people when they were putting out, when when Eclipse and Studio Proteus were putting out the very first volume of the American, ver uh, the imported version of Appleseed, uh, for book two, they didn't have the color art by Shiro, like 
they had outpaced him. So they hired American artists, um, and he was one of the very few of the five-issue series that got to do a cover. Um, it was him and Arthur Adams. Uh, wow, I'm racking my brain trying to, fit, trying to remember who did the other issue. Dude, you it might have just been him and Arthur. You're like a fountain of anime uh, info. Yeah, I... I tend to soak up lots of information about stuff that will never make me any money at all. <laughs> if it's if it's something that I, I could actually use to better my station in life, I'll never remember it. But if it's some useless shit, I, I soak that stuff up like a sponge. <clears throat> nice. And uh, the other anime I really liked um, was uh, Erdo Proxy. Just because of... Uh, mostly the art um ergo proxy's good it's it's dark though like it's really dark um both in terms of art and and like and the story like it's yep you gotta pay attention that's all i'll say and you gotta you gotta have yeah you gotta pay attention i had to watch it a couple times because you know trying to read through the the subtitles and watch all the action um was definitely a, a challenge that required me to watch it multiple times and still yeah and because the everything. art because the art itself is so dark you 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 kind of miss what's going on the first time through you've got to watch it a couple of times it, it's like blame in that regard where you just can't always quite figure out what's going on yep Any other movies or animes or television series that? Uh, I mean, I could go on talking about this stuff all night long. I could talk about like Cyborg Two, um, with a ridiculously young Angelina Jolie. Uh, like, I don't think I only saw like, Cyborg. Like hackers age Angelina Jolie, and uh, the dude who played Stabler on NCIS or not NCIS Law and Order. Uh, SVU. Um, it was no, it wasn't him. It was the guy who it was. Jack it was Dallas. Angelina Jolie and the guy who played Casey Jones in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, Elias Cotes. For some reason, I always get them mixed up. They look almost identical in my mind. Billy Drago. No, no. Uh, he was in it. Billy Drago was in it. He was the villain. There was Elias Cotes. Um, Jack Palance. Yeah, that's the guy. Jack Palance throws out a line in that movie. Uh, if you're going to dine with the devil, you need a long spoon. <laughs> I, I don't know why that stuck with me more than anything else, but uh, yeah. Yeah, if any gems uh, out there are looking for someone to kind of inspire an NPC, Jack Palance and anything he does... Um, just his mannerisms, if he can mimic that, he will be a great NBC for you guys, for any GM I mean, to can, try to imitate. You can go all the way back to Hawk the Slayer and, and still be inspired by Jack Palance. Yes. Uh, Class of 1999, that's, that's one of my favorite cyberpunk 
underground, like underrated films that nobody ever talks about. Um, I remember watching it and thinking, yes, this is definitely a, a, a cyberpunk movie. Um, there's a little, I don't know. I guess back in the 80s, it kind of felt like, oh, yeah, this could possibly happen. But as a crew older, like, yeah. <laughs> this, well, I mean, it had this it is had crazy concept. Malcolm McDowell, Stacey Keach, and uh, uh, oh, what was her, what's her name? Um, I love her to death. Uh, I'm having a brain fart. Um, 12 Cleopatra Jones and uh, wow, I have I have lost oh, my brain completely. Uh, um, Pam Greer. Pam Greer. Thank you, thank you, God. I was gonna, I was gonna melt down. Uh, Pam Greer, Stacy Keach, and Malcolm McDowell play the three Terminator teachers, and they chew scenery like no one's business. They chew scenery like it's pizza flavored nachos. But it's it's still a solid film, and yeah, I mean it's early '90s action film. There's, I love those though. Yep. I'll tell you something that never ever gets talked about by anybody, and that is, uh, Six String Samurai. It's it's one of the Mad Max ripoffs, and it, it came out I want to say late '90s. Yeah, it was like one of those um, cult classics. Yeah, but nobody, like, it seems completely forgotten today. I, I mentioned it to people, and they just look at me with, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Then I try and explain to them what it's about. It's like, well, if Billie Holiday, or, or not Billie Holiday. Um, came out in Jesus Christ, my brain is shutting down. Uh, what'd you say? Came out in 1998. Starring Jeffrey Falcon, Justin McGear, and Kim D'Angelo. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, it's definitely like a, a Mad Max ripoff guy going through a, a wasteland. I remember watching it. He has like a Billy... Uh, oh, you're thinking of... Uh, Buddy, Buddy Holly. Buddy God, Holly. thank you. That's that, that's what it you basically were trying to shoot out your mouth. Yeah, Buddy Holly wandering through a, a, a Mad Max style wasteland with nothing but a guitar and a sword, um, going to a battle of the bands. It, it sounds stupid, but it is so much fun to watch. Yeah. The, uh, there was one thing that I saw recently that was kind of reminiscent of it. Um, I think it was called Bad Batch. Not the Star Wars animation. It had um, Jason Manoa in it. I yeah, it I know what you're Bad talking Batch. about. Bad Batch, um, where there, where he's like a cannibal. Yes. And basically, that was fun. I. I... Yeah, the woman was like, um, or the main actress, she was like expelled from the city into the wasteland. 
Yeah, for a movie I had never heard of, that turned out to be really fun. Uh, prior to watching it. Holy shit. Jim Carrey was the hermit? Yeah. I did not even recognize I, him in that part. I am not a fan of, of Jim Carrey necessarily. Uh, but every now and then he'll come through with like a weird cameo and just surprise the shit out of me. Yeah, I remember seeing Keanu in it. Um, and being like, huh, that, that's interesting that he's in this. Yeah, between like 2010 and 2015, before John Wick really, like, like when the first John Wick was becoming really popular, Keanu made all these really weird low-budget appearances and stuff. Um, there was one I caught on Netflix where he plays this, it's another cyberpunk film where he plays like this corporate dude and it's you can tell he's just phoning it in he like he doesn't like he just sits in like a in front of a blue screen or green screen yep uh and he just kind of phones in the performance where he plays this corporate guy who's leading stuff but like it's really weird that like at the absolute height of his career he's doing all these weird little cameos and like B films that nobody ever sees. Yeah. And he, the other thing that gets me is like, you know, he like gets rid of his money like water. Cause he's like, yeah, I only keep the, the money. I, you know, if I really want something, I'll, I'll use the money for that. But otherwise I'm just going to donate it all. Yeah. Like, he, he donates his money. He, but he also, on top of that, he makes sure all of the cast members or the crew members of his productions get 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 paid very very well and compensated for everything that goes on. Yeah. He's just even if you don't like him as a as a as an actor, you really have to love the dude for just being a human being. Like he doesn't he doesn't even like promote what he does. He just does it. Gives away most of his money to charity or other idealistic causes. He's a very humble dude. He, yeah, I I, I got nothing but love for Keanu. Yes, yeah, so I got friends who constantly dog on him because they think he's a bad actor, but they're like, they've never seen anything he's done since The Matrix. So I'm just all like, dude, he's he's moved on from that. He's more than just a guy who says whoa now. Yep. Yeah, and he's been what at least three cyberpunk movies. So he is Yeah, he is he is the poster child for cyberpunk movies or the poster actor. Yeah, in the uh in the eighties. The cyberpunk, or 80s and 90s, the cyberpunk poster child was, without a doubt, Rutger Hauer. Uh, there were, he had some, there were other people who were vying for that title, <coughs> but it was really Rutger. Uh, both in terms of cyberpunk and post-apocalypse, Rutger has just the lock on it. And then in the 2000s, it, it very much, uh, late 90s into the 2000s, it very much became Keanu Reeves. With, you know, uh, Johnny Mnemonic, Matrix, John Wick, uh, Cyberpunk now. 
Um, and some like and like I said, some of these lesser known roles. Uh, yeah. John Wick is the current face of cyber or uh, John County Reeves is the, is the current face of cyberpunk. He is the uh, the patron saint, as it were. Yeah. I almost forgot about this movie. Uh, THX one one three eight. It's Ooh, kinda... that was uh that was George Lucas's very first film. Yeah. Um, um it sprang from his like his film school Yep. thing. I, I mean it, it's it's a fun movie to watch. And it's it's cyberpunk in the sense that it's a dystopian future. Um it's like one of those well, movies I mean, it, it, that's borderline, you know, sci fi far future, you know. I mean, it's far future, but it's still, like, grounded in, like, day after tomorrow. Like, there's not a lot, there's not really any space travel going on. They're not using, uh, they're driving cars and whatnot. THX is, it's firmly cyberpunk in my eyes. It was just released in the days before cyberpunk was a term that had been coined yet. Um... In the same sense that Blade Runner was cyberpunk. Well, I was thinking of like that movie's more similar to um, Logan's Run, you know. Whereas Logan's Run, Logan's is Run far is future. cyberpunk in my eyes. It's it's much it's very much on the border, um, and it's more cyberpunk in terms of of theme than actual setting. The setting's pretty goofy. Um, and I can't, I can't watch Logan's Run just because the dude's hair distracts me. Like, what the fuck is wrong with that dude's head? But, you know, when I was a kid, I loved that shit. Yeah. Um, the original Metropolis, 19... What, 37, 27? I don't know. Fritz Lang, yep. silent film. That's a cyberpunk movie. It just... It's got every one of the trappings. Chick gets kidnapped, turned into an android or cyborg, whatever you want to call her. Uh, the whole movie is about, you know, fighting back against the corrupt corporate corporate system. Uh, I mean, shit, it had, it had blimps flying around and a giant futuristic city. I mean, it's, it's the prototype for cyberpunk. I almost forgot to uh, mention uh, Sixth Day, Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. That's, uh, Schwarzenegger made a bunch of cyberpunk movies that um, some were better than others, uh, but most people most people look at the movies he did uh, in the cyberpunk genre as, as fantastic. I mean, I do. I liked... Uh, Total Recall... I liked Total Recall. I Running liked Man. Day. I liked Running Man. Although I would have liked a Running Man that was more faithful to the books. Um, and I prefer. I'm, I'm, I, people aren't going to agree with me on this. It's a very unpopular opinion, but I prefer the the Colin Farrell Total Recall to the Schwarzenegger one. And I even prefer the Total Recall TV show to the Schwarzenegger one. Yeah. Um, and another movie yeah. that I just came across that 
now that I read the title and remember watching it, is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Was a bit sad. Yeah. That's that's one of those performances that I, I don't care for the actor, but <laughs> it's a damn good movie. Yeah, I get that with all of Tom Cruise's movies. I, with Tom Cruise, somehow I've always been able to like disassociate his his film characters from what a real life whack job he is. Mostly because I think, while I do think he's a he's a nutbag in real life, I also think he's a pretty harmless nutbag. Like, sure he shills for Scientology, but he doesn't do it overtly. He doesn't. Yeah, he's he's just like that kind of nutty uncle that you're just all like, well, don't give him a sharp object and he'll be okay. Uh, but I've always enjoyed I've enjoyed most of his movies. I, I I hated Cocktail, and I hated Days of Thunder, and I'm not a fan of Risky Business. But pretty much all of his other movies I, I've enjoyed. Like um, Taps. Hmm. Taps. Yeah. That was, I think that was probably one of his best performances in his career. Uh, I mean, that was super young. That was super young uh, Tom Cruise and super young Sean Penn. Um, it that movie, I saw that when I was a little kid and it made me cry. Uh, it, it I, I hated that movie when it was first out because there's a kid in the in the movie named Derek and Derek gets everybody else killed. Um, and my name is Derek and I got I got shit relentlessly when I was in school oh, over it. I don't know why so many kids in my school were watching Taps, <laughs> but a, it was a thing. Well, it was, you know, young kids are at the time close to their age. Um well, I mean, I was, what, 10 at the time? Um, yeah, but you got to remember that, you know, there was teenagers who definitely were going to go see it because you had all these young teenage actors who, you know, all the teenagers wanted to see in a movie. Sure. I was, <laughs> uh, I was living in Mississippi at the time, and it was... I remember it came out about the same time that V was on television. And man, did I love V. I don't know. Sorry, that, there's that association in my brain that exists nowhere else. Yep. But yeah. Um, let's talk Ooh. about one more thing, then um, we probably can wrap it up. Have you seen the uh, Blade Runner Black Lotus at all? Uh, I have not. I don't have. What's that on? Paramount? Yeah. I'm starting to get really. I, I don't have a Paramount, Paramount account. Um, I wish I, I did just to watch Blade Runner. Yeah, that's why I'm uh, like, <clears throat> I'm like, I'm tired. I'm starting to get tired of these streaming services. And I yeah, get... it used to be that it was just Netflix, and now there's like a two dozen of them, and I can't keep up. Well, what scares me is that like Paramount. Again, <clears throat> Media Corp, Mega Media Corp, and Disney, yeah. right, 
are basically, hey, you want to see our movies? You can only see them on our channel. Or yeah. in the movies. It's getting to the point where paying for all these streaming services is as expensive as cable. Or more. Yeah. I mean, Netflix just raised their prices. Yep. So did Disney. So it's just, yeah, it's just getting... Getting a little annoying with this whole thing. Um, supposedly you can watch it on Adult Swim. Uh, yeah, I don't have regular TV. I, I, I stopped paying for cable because I had streaming services. So, yeah. All I pay for is internet and enough streaming services that it feels like I'm paying for cable. Um, I actually, I mean, I trade with friends, uh, trade my accounts with friends, but even still, like, nobody wants to throw down money for Paramount, apparently. <laughs> the, the one and only thing I'm interested in is Blade Runner, so I don't, I don't even care. Eventually it'll show up on something else. Well, Paramount's trying to push their Star Trek, so I know you're not... Hard. <laughs> oh my god, are they trying to push Star Trek hard? So, and the only thing, the only part of that that I'm even remotely interested in is that that lower decks cartoon. That looks pretty funny to me. I've seen a couple snippets of it. Yeah, it yeah, looks hilarious. Um, um, everything else, I keep hearing conflicting messages about. I just, I don't care enough about Star Trek as a franchise to to really give it much thought. And like I said earlier, it's the fans that killed me for Star Trek. Um, the fans are coming close to killing Star Wars for me, so I just stopped listening to the fans altogether. Uh, with Star Trek, I didn't have any choice. I, I grew up with too many Trekkies in my life, and they just they ruined it for me. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for me... Uh, I will go watch whatever and ignore fans ignore reviews ignore all that because a lot of it is just oh yeah bias. like i don't i don't i don't watch reviews i don't i don't put any stock in them um like i said with star trek it's just because i everybody i knew growing up if they were into science fiction at all it was just about star trek and they wouldn't shut up about it I mean, I enjoyed watching Star Trek when I was a kid until, like, I got into high school. And, yeah, they just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> about the next generation? Yeah, about the next generation or comparing next generation to the original series and, like, trying to, like, I'd go, you know, 14-year-old kid stand with my friends for the evening or the weekend or whatever and they're wanting to watch a marathon of fucking Star Trek the original series fucking that's how like me and my wife used to spend one of the nights together was watching Star Trek I mean it's great in, in moderation And it's always good to find a nerd 
wife. Yeah, no, you have lucked stuff. out. Yeah. I've never really spoken to her, out. but she sounds like a, a fantastic woman. Fantastic lady. Yes. It's funny because she wasn't mine originally. She was one of my friends. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you can find if you can find someone to spend your life with who not only uh su- like supports you in your habits and uh hobbies, but enjoys them with you, that's gold. That is that is pure gold. Yes, indeedy. Living proof that it can happen. Indeed. All right. Um, we're about the two-hour mark, so I think um, we can wrap it up. Um, yeah, so next time we're actually going to be uh, discussing or reviewing. Uh, I think Wildside was slated for us, so we can get into Oh, I whole... can't wait for that one. That's one of my favorites the whole fixer genre and uh, how you deal with the streets and give some overviews from our point of view and stuff we think is gold within that book, um, which I would say the vast majority of it is. Um, but we'll get into yeah. all those wonderful details. So uh, this is Cybersmiley. Uh, you can find me at cybersmiley.net. Uh, that's my site. Uh, I am also tr- or not trolling, um, lurking on most uh, discords, cyberpunk discords that are out there, whether it's RTG, Cyberpunk Uncensored, or any of the um, looking to for players. So if you do an at Cybersmiley, more than likely you're going to hit me. I'm also on the two Reddit. Um, threads for cyberpunk at 2020 and cyberpunk red so you can also hit me on over there as well uh, over to you wisdom uh i'm wisdom triple zero you can uh of uh, the website data fortress 2020 you can find me on <coughs> on facebook or hit me up on my email those are the two best ways to get a hold of me i'm here on discord although i don't pay attention to it much uh, i haven't turned off on my phone because the uh, quite honestly, the notifications get a bit much for me. Um, I'm on Reddit, although I check that even less. Uh, but if you uh, if you message me, I, I will always enjoy a conversation with you. Um, you can get a hold of us for questions for future shows. Um, I apologize again for being so discombobulated this episode. Uh, and no our lack worries, of focus, man. that's entirely my fault. It is not your it's, fault. Uh, it's its the life around you's fault. That well, I mean, sure, that. it's the universe conspiring against me's fault, but still. Uh, in the future, I, I very much hope that I can remain focused. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we, we should have, going forward, we should have much more clearly defined uh, topics and uh, formats for you. Yep. Um, thank you very much for listening to us and thank you to Rob Mulligan and uh, Cyber Nation Uncensored for hosting us as always um, go check out his site at cybernationuncensored.com um, and also I don't know if you can still get into his Kickstarter but there is a Kickstarter that he did which has figures, dice box dice that uh, 
you might find interesting. So, if you got some money and you want to get some <coughs> cool swag, I, I I recommend it. Yep. Not everyone. 